Don't let him lie to you. He's going to stir up trouble. You know something? You're going to be all right. Don't pay. Sometimes you just got to ignore the devil. Amen. That's probably the best thing you can do. I know a lot of people who say, oh, you know, I'm getting there and the devil's been talking to me all day and just been, why are you listening to him all day? Amen. Just tell him to shut up and get behind you. Amen. A lot has already been said about battles, about spiritual warfare. Feel that direction tonight as we turn to 2 Corinthians 10 and uh, just a real confirmation of, uh, of God's direction. Appreciate everybody just obeying God. Appreciate you. Just, just keep your eyes on God. Amen. Hallelujah. People can sometimes try to pull you down, but if you get your eyes on God, amen. They're not going to hinder you one bit. Hallelujah. Let the heathen rage. Let the people imagine a vain thing. Don't, don't choose your battles. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you for your presence here tonight. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for what we've already experienced here tonight, God. And just, we are so excited, God, just to be right in the middle of what you're doing, God, and want so much to, Lord, to just be able to be a part of it more and more. God, have your way in these evil days that we're living in, God, and I pray that, Lord, you help somebody here tonight that's really in the battle, God, to have victory in Jesus. We love you so much. We ask for your help tonight, God, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God bless you. You can be seated. We we are prone to get carnal. I know that's a a Bible word, maybe a King James Version word, if you will. But that, that just means our, you know, our... Our nature, our strength, our temper, you know, our zeal sometimes. But, you know, if you're going to really do well, you need to give that all to Jesus. Let him lead you into battle. But it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. And the thing is, a lot of times we're going through some things and we forget we're in a battle. We're we're trying to figure out what's going on and why we uh, aren't seeing what we think we ought to be seeing. And wait a minute, there is an enemy. That is fighting against us, and we need to acknowledge that. I don't think we need to be preoccupied. I don't think we need to be obsessed. And some people just see demons and devils around every corner. But listen to me. We do need, the Bible says, not to be ignorant of his devices. And sometimes we need to recognize we are in the middle of a battle. It's it's a lot more. Every now and then, you know, things happen. There's trouble in the world, and, and life happens. It does. There, it's not always just, uh, uh, it's not always spiritual warfare, but sometimes you feel that, uh, that taxing of, of your spirit. Sometimes you feel that, that oppression a little bit more. And, and, and so much the more as we see the day approaching, I believe. Amen. We are in this battle. And you've got to recognize the spiritual aspect of that. And you're not going to fight that without God's direction. You're not going to go ahead and say, well, I've got this. No, no, we need God to lead and guide. And and sometimes we need one another's help, too. Let's look at this scripture in its context. It's sadly, Corinth is known to be quite a carnal, quite an immature church. I would have thought 
after 1 Corinthians was written to them, they would have got their act together. I mean, he really lays it out and tells them about their immaturity and how their cliquishness is, is, uh, it's a reproach to the name of God. And a lot of their, how they were allowing sin and not really dealing with that properly. And, uh, Paul really puts them in their place. But here, 2 Corinthians comes around and, um, Sadly, Paul's not a very popular guy with them. And it says here in verse 1, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but I like to get the context of things. Uh, Paul, now I, Paul, myself, beseech you, he's begging you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's so good. But at the same time, Paul's saying, I'm coming to you with meekness and gentleness. And you're going to get the idea, he says, you know what? We can have it easy or we can have it rough. <laughs> he said, I want this to be easy. I want to just help you and, and, and be gentle and humble to you. But I don't mind being bold either. I don't mind telling it to you. Just however you need to hear it, I'm willing to give it to you. Look what he says. I'm beseeching you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who is in presence and base among you. When I'm there face to face with you, visiting you at your church, I'm being humble. I'm, I'm, but he said, being absent, I'm going to be bold toward you. He said, I'm, I, when I'm there with you, I want to be humble and I want to be gentle and I want to, I, I want everything just to go so smoothly. So I'm going to lay some things out here that are pretty bold in a letter and we're going to, fix this and get this taken care of with this epistle, with this letter, so that when I come, I can just, uh, we can just have a nice time. Because look what it says, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence. He's saying, if we can fix this in a letter, we don't have to be so bold when I get there. Wherewith I think to be bold against some. And what is, what is he worked up about? Well, some must have been saying, look at this, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Can you imagine? I can. (laughs) Can you imagine the Apostle Paul being that missionary that founded that church and labored for years to get it going? And the Bible's saying there's some in that church that are saying, you know, that Apostle Paul, yeah, he's not very spiritual. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's just people sometimes. That Paul, he's, he, he, a lot of what he's doing, that's just his opinion. That's just his flesh. That's not really the Holy Ghost in him. That's just carnal. Which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. But listen to what he says. And he's saying this in boldness. Uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. <laughs> I think they were getting the idea. I got a body. I, I walk. I, I walk. You know. I'm just a man like you are. But I know how to war in the spirit. Oh, yeah. right. So he's kind of just kind of turning the screws a little bit on him. Yeah. But he's given us some principles. Yes, sir. Here uh, he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Right. This isn't a battle where I'm going to try to one up you or make you feel bad about yourself. No, this is a spiritual battle. And he recognizes they're being attacked by spiritual forces that are causing them to be uh, not so content with Paul. And he says, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not in our strength. They're not in our ability. They're not, 
you know, I'm going to come up with a way. How many times did we talk about overthinking here recently? How I'm going to come up with the answer to this. Wait a minute. Let God lead. Let God lead you. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. They're strong through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. There it is, that how the enemy gets in our mind and starts to cause us to fear or to doubt or to, to, to worry or, or to be suspicious or so many different things. Can't, but we got to cast them down. We got to learn how to cast down imaginations. We got to recognize not everything that comes into your mind is, uh, is, is healthy. So often that's how the enemy comes in. He may just try to plant a seed in your mind and, and you can allow that to, to germinate and allow that to grow in your life or you can just cast it down. It'd be better so often. You say, that's a, that's a dumb thought. Well, you know what? Then, then, then let it go. Let it go. Recognize that and don't allow it to, to pick up any steam because that's what can happen in our minds so often. Amen. You know, the Bible says the thought of foolishness is what? Sin. I mean, we can't keep foolish thoughts from coming into our minds, but the more we dwell on foolish thoughts, and we, you know, we could be good at that. Well, that's the dumbest thought I've ever had. I don't understand. It's just ridiculous. I never even thought it through like that. And after, you know, 20 minutes later, say, that is just so goofy. And now it's it's 10 times goofier. Amen. What a waste of time. But he's telling us that we've got weapons. That are mighty, not carnal, to the pulling down of strongholds. Sometimes. Now, I want to look at this. Paul's dealing with a very specific case of their questioning his spirituality. There, he's dealing with a very specific context of, uh, of the enemy trying to destroy that church by saying that, that, that Paul wasn't really being led by God. But he is in this allowing us to see that sometimes the battles that we're facing, sometimes the troubles we're facing, sometimes the, the roadblocks that get in our way could be spiritual strongholds. Yeah. What do I mean by that? Sometimes the Bible talks about not giving place to the devil. Sometimes we, we can have things in our life that, that uh, on a battlefield... A stronghold is a place where the enemy would make an advancement. Somehow he would get a place of advantage, maybe a, a, an elevated area somewhere closer to where they might be protected from fire, but they might have a clear shot somehow. But the, it is a, they build and fortify an area where they can continually just attack in a certain way yes, to where... You got a weakness now, and there's something there that that the enemy has has a a stronghold, yeah. a place where you don't really have the victory, like like you know you should have the victory. We have to look a little closer sometimes. We have to be aware. The Bible says not to be ignorant. I think we quoted it earlier. Not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. He's looking for those inroads. He's looking for those areas. And sometimes we can go on our way if we're not recognizing we're in a spiritual battle. If we're not recognizing that the enemy daily is coming against us one way or another. And we kind of just ignorantly ignore that fact. We can, things can kind of come into our lives and get that place of a stronghold, that place of an advantage. And we just try to learn how to live with it. Maybe just say, and God, if you have time, get rid of that or help me with that. Or after a while, we just say, well, I guess that's just the way I am. 
And you don't ever really get the victory that, that God really wants you to have. Kind of, that's the, the Israelites kind of, you know, God said, I want you to destroy all your enemies. I want you to have complete and utter victory. I don't want you to leave any of them around. And sometimes what they did was they, they kind of got lazy in that battle and, and, and really sometimes would allow the enemy and just kind of get used to them. And the Bible says, before they went in the promised land, God told them, be sure to take care of those enemies because they're going to end up being thorns to you. Right, yeah. You know, you're not going to die generally from a thorn, but it's going to be a constant problem for you. Right. Sometimes we can live in a place where we get used to kind of a level and, and never really say, you know what, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of not really having victory. I don't want to believe that this is just the way I have to live my life. I don't want to have to believe that this is just who I am. I really want to have that joy, that that peace, that power that God gives and know that the devil's under my feet. I don't want to believe, I don't want to keep having this thorn. Amen. Now, if God tells you like he did Paul that there's, you know, I've got a thorn because I want to keep you in a place where I want you to get to too proud or arrogant but sometimes we we are in a battle and we just don't take the victory that we need to have the area there becomes an area where the enemy can get an advantage of us and i just want to talk about it in my life and in the lives of christians who have have been living for god for for any length of time really and you're going to fight some battles If you don't figure that out and understand what it means, I think that some of the testimonies here would just say, we're going to get in there. We're going to fight. We can moan about it and whine about it and feel sorry for ourselves. That's not fun. I know some people feel like it seems like that's how they, you know, that's that's when they're at their best, when they're just miserable. God help us (laughs) to just say, okay, here's the challenge, devil. You're not going to get me down. Amen. You're not going to keep me. I love hearing people testify of, you know, I, uh, some of you, oh, I feel like a migraine. I'm going to do my best to worship God and, and believe God's going to help me. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I give the testimony so often of, uh, of Sister Carmen's late husband, brother Junior, our friend. And, and the last night he was in church before he went home, he had a headache and he, I, he was dancing. That headache turned out to be an aneurysm that he went to the hospital for and eventually Never came back home here, but went home there. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's something that I hold dear in my heart. That man was dancing All right. and loving God and doing his yeah. best. It wasn't a lot, but it was what he could do. Yeah. Right. And I see that same kind of heart that says, you know what? I'm under attack, but you know what? Devil's going to get his. Amen. Right. He's not going to keep me back. That, that's the attitude. That's the promise. That's faith. Faith that doesn't work by feeling, but faith that says, hey, listen, this isn't going to be easy. It might not be fun, but I, after a while, I'm going to get that victory. In order to get that victory, it's more than just the right attitude. I believe in having a good attitude. Don't get me wrong. But there's some things I think we need to look at. Some of that we talked about this morning. I want to kind of work on a little bit more and develop. But, uh, you know, if I feel like... I'm under the load, so to speak, spiritually. If I feel like I'm just not, not, uh, not running at a hundred percent, you know, my first, my my first uh, response is going to be having a heart to heart talk with God. 
you know, I've seen folks, sometimes folks that seem very, very spiritual. And there's a lot of different things that you can do, whether it's singing or, or even speaking in tongues. But sadly, you can do those things and still not open your heart completely to God. And I've seen, and especially more and more as days go on, and people have worse and worse, worse uh, social skills, and they're, they're used to emojis and LOLs and things like that. And to be able to really just open your heart is, is, a, is a dying art. To be able to open your heart, just have a heart-to-heart talk with God. Can I say, can I tell some of you just in your families, husbands, wives, parents, and children, if you can't have a heart-to-heart talk together, if that is a chore for you, pray about that. You should have people in your life that you can really be open and honest with. You don't have to do that to everybody on the street. You know, somebody going by, hey, how are you doing? Well, let me tell you what's really going on in my life. Right? Don't, be, don't be that person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what they meant. Right. But there ought to be somebody in your life that you can just get real with. Yes, sir. And it shouldn't yeah. be a chore. I know sometimes it is. Sometimes people have to really work through some things. Yeah. Especially people who have had trauma. People have been hurt. Yes, but, but I'll tell you what. A lot of young people, you say, oh, it's so easy for children to just open up their hearts and, and love God and, and feel that presence. Not so much these days. Not so much. If they have grew up in a, in a healthy home, yes. It's easy to see them just begin to weep and cry and get vulnerable in God. And God can fill them easily with the Holy Ghost, seriously. But sometimes, nowadays, I've seen it so hard. And you try to say, hey, just... Have that. Open your heart to God. Talk to Him, and like He's right there in front of you. And be honest. Sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes you need to put aside all the, forget about the music that's playing. Forget about the, uh, the the things that you think are are supposed to happen, and and just talk to God from your heart. Open your heart. I know sometimes people say that's just so hard. I'll, uh, I get embarrassed. Nobody in the room. I get embarrassed hearing myself. Don't, don't skip past that. Yeah. Right. Talk to God. Uh, if I do that, if I start getting real, I'm going to cry. Cry. Yeah. If I start getting real, I, I'm, I'm not going to have the right things. They don't work. God hears you. He gets. He speaks your language. Amen. He, he knows what's going on in your heart. It's going to help you. Because there's layers in our lives sometimes of that, that we, we build up and, and, and don't really forget how to just really open up and be very real to God. And that's something that a lot of people, they come into church like this and, and they say, whoa, it's kind of, kind of weird. People just, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. Right. We're not, we don't care. Yeah. Right. Say, so, well, I think it's just strange the way they don't matter. This is this is people just open up their hearts to God. Amen. I mean, there's plenty in the Bible if you want to have a Bible study about it, about people just getting getting open and honest and 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 even just weeping or groaning in the spirit. It's Bible. It's there. The Bible taught the Bible uh, prophets that told them, hey, rend your heart. Weep between the porch and the altar. He's, you know, cry out to God. And, and that, that raw emotion is sometimes, uh, you say, I've, I've talked to 
older adults and said, have you ever really got open and honest with anybody in your life? I've, I've had that conversation with several. No, not really. Not really. Kind, friendly people. I'm not talking about folks that are just going to scare you. <laughs> Talk about some of the sweetest people in the world and say, hey, wait a minute. Have you ever just really had a heart-to-heart talk with your husband or with your children or with a, with a pastor, with a friend? No. <laughs> no, no. It's not something that has to, it's something casual. We've gotten way too casual sometimes with God. It's, he, he's so much more than just our buddy. He's got to be a God that when we come before him, we cut through all the games and the garbage. We cut through all that and just, just God, let's just, just bear our hearts to him and love him. And, uh, and in that heart-to-heart talk, begin to examine myself. I've come before a holy God and say, God, is there something I missed? Is there something that I've done that you're trying to get my attention? Not every bit. Listen now, we're talking about spiritual warfare, and and we've had this uh, kind of teaching when it comes down to problems or even sickness, that it wouldn't hurt to just go ahead and search your heart. But that's not saying that every bad thing, certainly not. There's whole books of the Bible dedicated to saying that bad things don't happen just to bad people who've done bad things. But it's worth looking at. It's worth saying, okay, God, is there something? Is there some area of my life that I still have closed off to you? Is there some area of my heart that I, is there something that I've done, something I'm doing that, Because sin will separate you from God. I don't care how much you claim to be a Christian and you can call on the blood of Jesus as much as you want. But if you're practicing something that God, God knows that it's, and you know, and if you don't know, you talk to him. He said, if you're any otherwise minded, then just he'll, he'll reveal it in you. That's what he said. Search your heart. Is there something that's hurting you? Because sin hurts him. The nails. In his hands and feet that because of sin. Yes, right. I know. I've heard somebody here recently, and they, they came to me and were talking about somebody. And said, you know what? Uh, we're talking about reaching out to people who, who are in sinful lifestyles. I say, yeah, man. Love them like Jesus loves them. But then all of a sudden they said, well, you know what? Everybody's got pride, and pride is the worst sin in the world. So, you know what? If we're all committing the worst sin in the world, then, then how can we ever condemn somebody who's living a homosexual lifestyle? Whoa! Wait a minute now. We all may say, God, please help me. I'm struggling to, to, to never have... We're not accepting a lifestyle of pride. We're not saying I'm proud and proud of it. We hate that. If you're struggling with pride, you're praying every day, God, please have humility in me and help me. We're not just claiming, hey, I'm proud and that's just the way it is. We're all living in a lifestyle of pride. And therefore, any sin is okay. That's ridiculous. When you come into the presence of God, you say, God, you're Lord. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. That's what the Bible says. I am the temple of the Spirit of God, Lord, that you would cleanse this temple. Take anything that you don't like. And if I say no to you, that might cause a strain in your relationship. That's right. Right. Yeah. 
Psalm 139, let me just read it to you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. Look in my life. Is there unrepented sin in my life? Is there something, Lord, that I've done that I need to say, God, I'm sorry for that. I'm not making excuses. I'm not saying that, that I'm not, uh, I'm not justifying myself, but I'm saying, God, be merciful to me and cleanse me of unrighteousness. That's why the word of God needs to be a mirror. It's what it says in the book of James. It's, it's like looking into a glass and we see ourselves. It's got to, we got to be confronted with, with that and be able to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm bringing this to you now. Don't justify it. Be honest. There may be something that has strained your relationship with God. Before we start looking for the devil, let's look at ourselves and say, God, because I have a lot more. I'll be honest. I have a lot more problem with me than I have with the devil. I have a lot more problem with my will and my flesh than I ever have with the devil. The devil. Let's be honest. According to the Bible, serpents and scorpions under our feet, you know, just tread on them. Jesus said, you don't have to be afraid of anything the devil does. You know, you, he's a defeated foe and you tread on him and everything's going to be all right. But you know, my will and my ways and what I like and what I want that gets in the way of God's holiness. Well, then we start to fight a little bit. <laughs> Create in me a clean heart. Psalm 51 says. Oh, God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Because of sin, David lost the joy of his salvation. Bottom line. And it was not a matter of just living with it and believing that joy belongs to me. It didn't. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the law of the flesh. So if you turn that over, you're going to realize if I walk after my flesh, I'm going to experience condemnation. It's not that, hey, I can do whatever I want, live any way that I want and walk in sin and act like it's no big deal and say, you know what? I'm not condemned. I'm a Christian. Christians like any relationship. Have I ever failed my wife? Have I ever uh, uh, just disappointed her maybe in some way? I'm sure I do. But if any chance I get, I'm so sorry for that. I'm, I, I could have done better with that. I just, what was it? Uh, yesterday, something happened. And I said, I, said, I, I hope if, if that hurts you, I, I'm sorry. That, I didn't mean that. And, and, and. And looking back, oh, she was just so gracious about it. I still, after she just said, no, 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 you're fine, you're fine. I thought, oh, I was pretty stupid. <laughs> it was pretty stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's how you stay close. Yeah. Yeah. But if we, over a period of time, still have these things where, I really hate the way you do that. Yeah, so what? <laughs> We're married. <laughs> You're not going anywhere, and neither am I. Is that, you know, oh, what a beautiful thing. Oh. You know, that's the way it is, but that's how we, we do God. You know, it's, you know, I'm not, he's not going anywhere. He's never going to leave me or forsake me. So if he's not comfortable with it, ah, he'll get over it. No, probably, maybe not. That relationship is, is not what it could be. And you're not going to experience the joy of your salvation. 
until you really humble yourself and have this kind of interaction, this kind of prayer with him. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Going on trying to live for God without really identifying sin in your life will harden your heart. It will. Because God's going to keep on trying to lead you away from things that are going to hurt you. And and they're not good for you. And he loves you enough to tell you that. He loves you too much to go on. But if you make up your mind, I'm still going to have joy. I'm still going to have peace. No matter if God gives it to me or not, you'll sear your conscience. The Bible talks about about our hearts being hardened because God's God wants to just be able to sensitively tell you, hey, that was that wasn't the best. And, and you, you love him and you say, OK, I'm, I'm sorry help me to do better next time. You say, well, what if I fail again? And what if I failed again? What if I failed again? I, you've been there. Sure, you have. I'm not talking about people just. And this is where it's is such a touchy subject because there are people who just continuously just go on and on and practice sin and say, oops. Yeah. But they don't really mean that. But, but God is so merciful. Yeah. He'll help you. Yeah. He'll help you. If you mean it, and you, you're, the Bible says his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting to them that fear him. Yeah. Not to them that are mocking him, to them that are taking advantage of him. To them that couldn't care. No, you care about his heart and his will. And he'll, he'll have mercy on you. Matthew 5. Sometimes those things in your life can bring a stronghold. It's not just that broken relationship or that... that unhealthy relationship with God, but it's also now the enemy kind of can move in on some territory that he really doesn't belong there. Matthew 5 verse 23 really goes hand in hand with this. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. I've heard this misquoted more than quoted properly. It's always quoted, I've got ought against somebody. It doesn't talk about you having something on somebody else. Ought, like we've said, ought's just a little more than not. Ought is just something that you've got. And the Bible says if you've got something against your brother, forgive them. But if you're praying, if you're coming to God, giving him the gift of your praise and your prayers, and you remember somebody's got something on you. God says, stop praying. Leave your gift there. Go make it right with that person. Go be reconciled. First be reconciled to that brother and then come offer that gift. If I've got some unrepented sin in my life, that can open up a door for the enemy to have too much control that he doesn't need in my life. If it also goes for one another. This is very clear in the Bible. If I've done my brother dirty, if I've done something wrong, I need to do my best to make that right. Yes, sir. Now, I told you this. This is never fun to hear. I don't care how bad they've done you. That doesn't give you the right to do bad to them. That's right. So well, they did ten times more to me. You're responsible for you. That's right. 
God's not telling you, hey, when they get right, then you be right. God, if you want the enemy not to have any kind of place in your life and you want to have a clear channel, I've got to make sure if I've if I've done something against somebody that was ungodly, unchristian, I need to make my part right. Well, do you know what they did? You know, we read Psalm 51. That was David's prayer of repentance to God. And those of you who've been around here for a while, you've heard me say this many times. He said, I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. Read it in Psalm 51. It's a beautiful prayer of repentance. Nowhere does it say, that that Sheba, I didn't stand a chance. She should have been nothing. If it wasn't for her and where she was, no. He just said, I did wrong. I did wrong. It's me. I'm taking full responsibility for my actions. Listen, I, I understand. Sometimes maybe you were under a lot of pressure. Maybe you had a lot coming against you. But God's bigger than all that. And if you failed, you failed. Own it. Make it right. Amen. Make it right. Praise the Lord. Because if you go back um, to my my example with my wife, my, the Bible says that if I don't honor my wife, that will hinder my prayers. Right. If I dishonor her in some way, that same kind of principle goes for how we treat one another because we're all his children. God cares about your brother and your sister like he does you. And he's going to back them up. And if they come and say, God, I don't know why they, they're acting like that to me. I don't know why they're tearing me down like that. God's going to hear. Right. Amen. Yes, sir. So you got to make it right. You got to search your heart, examine your life. God, am I, is there something in my life you want to, you want to clean up? You want to get rid of? You want me to repent of God? Something I, you, you have better for me. God, I'm, I'm sorry. Is there someone I've done wrong? Is there someone that can look at me and say, say they aren't a Christian and it's because of me. God, help me to make it right. And then one more thing. Second Corinthians two, second Corinthians two. Strongholds in our lives. Take some time and be honest. Slow down. Take your time. Get before God and have a heart-to-heart talk with Him. And listen, pay attention. Is there something, God, that, that I've done before you that I have not told you? I'm, I'm sorry. You help me. Help me live better. Is there somebody I've done wrong? Then I need to tell him, oh, that's going to be so difficult. If your right eye have caused you to stumble, if your right hand would cause you to stumble, it would be better for you to go to heaven and not have a right eye or right hand. He's not saying mutilate yourself. He's saying it's not always easy to make things right. Just make it right. You know, not only will you be better for it, But it'll be tougher for you. Maybe God will remind you the next time you just think you're going to do anything or say anything. And then you have to make it right. right. I'd rather just not just do right from the beginning. 2 Corinthians 2. One more. Verse 10. Paul says, to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. 
I've got to ask for forgiveness when I've done wrong. Is there some kind of grudge I'm holding in my heart? That scripture we quoted many times just tonight, we often quote it, lest Satan should get an advantage over us, is because he said, I I need to make sure I have forgiven. Listen, listen, I feel this so strongly as I was praying over this message. We, many of us have been done, been hurt deeply. Many of us have been hurt deeply. Have you forgiven? Have you forgiven? Have you forgiven your husband? Have you forgiven your wife? Your parents, they're not perfect. Have you forgiven them? Maybe they failed. Have you forgiven them? You say, I, I don't appreciate what they did. You don't ha- you, uh, we've talked about this many times. Forgiveness doesn't mean you approve of wrong behavior. It just gives up your ability to hold that over them anymore. Amen. Have you forgiven your children that have hurt you? Have you forgiven your neighbor? Have you forgiven those? You have to give that to God and let him be their judge now. Or Satan will get an advantage. Is there someone in your life? You say, I, I can deal with it. I can live with it. Have you forgiven them? Because that will harden your heart. If you don't fully say, God, I put this into your hands. You say, I don't know if I can. I get that. God will help you. Let him help you. The ability to really repent, God's going to help you. The ability to really make things right with your brother, God will help you. The ability to forgive, you're going to need God for that. But he'll help you. He'll get down in your heart and show you why it's so important so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be healed. That you learn how to forgive like Jesus forgave you. The Bible says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Strongholds. Sometimes people that come to church all their lives and never really get free, never really get true victory. It goes just so deep, but it's not quite right. Why is that? Is there a stronghold in your life? Is there somewhere where the enemy has authority in your life? An area of unrepented sin that the enemy has claimed and holds you captive? Is there something in your life where you need to say, you know what? I was cruel. I was unkind. I've done you wrong. I'm sorry. Or is there someone you need to forgive? Someone you need to just let go of of the grudge and say, okay, God, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray that, God, you would help them. And I'm not going to hold that against them. Jesus hung on a cross as he was beaten and mocked and hated and said, forgive them. Lord, I want us to come pray. Find a place to talk to God. Search me, God. Search my life. Search my life, God.
that and they're still doing this. They're still doing that. Why don't they listen? Hey, this is about you. This is about you. This is about your heart. We all need this. We all fight battles. We all are vulnerable to strongholds in our lives. We need to let God work in us. Sanctify us, God. with him and so often we need we need time in his presence to say Lord cleanse my heart again hallelujah let's all stand Father thank you again for such a beautiful day Lord such a powerful Lord move Lord in this house again and we give you all the glory it's only because of you God help thank you Lord continue to work in our lives help us take this with us Lord and to just go and and, and Lord, just keep drawing closer to you. Bring victory in every life and every heart and every home. God will give you all the praise. Lord, keep us safe as we travel now, Lord. Use us for your glory. We thank you, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.